does. Wilton makes a run ahead of it. Burkamp suddenly changed pace through the centre. It's Burkamp! That's magnificent! The move, and then this, which left Dabby's ass totally stranded. Hello, and welcome to Back Up One Leather Master Podcast. Everyone knows my name. My name is Carl, and with me today is the delightful and joyous Danny, the GFP. Hello, Daniel. How happy are you today? I am I'm tickety boo over the moon and I slept for twelve hours and I'm only here because Chris is on a work meeting. So um I'm only meant to be pressing buttons, but it's an absolute joy to be on there with you two. Um how are you? Oh, you know all the nice things to say. I am ecstatic after last night. Uh can't stop smiling, can't stop laughing at the blue side of London who it's just funny. It's just funny. Everything that happens to that club is truly deserved. Like, there's nothing good ever going to happen to that club ever again. And I, for one, I'm extremely happy. <laughs> and also here today, it's the ever optimist, John. Hello, John. I told you, no one believed me. I said we were going to win. No one would listen. But I called it. I called it. Pyramid so, Pilo, mate, made the difference. <laughs> yes, see, I, I had my uh, doubts about him being, a, and I do remember you saying in the, the group, he'll just give you a solid six or seven out of ten. Nothing fancy, he just does his job and goes about it. And I was like, mm, yeah, you're kind of right. And even when we were discussing our men of the matches in the in the group, I said Xhaka, and he was like, and on any as well. I was like, yep. Got to give it to um, El Nene as well because he did play marvellous yesterday, which we'll talk about um, later. Uh, Chris is going to join us at some point, but he's doing his hair. He's got like a perm in and he's got to wash it out. So who knows like, what time he'll be with us. Will he turn um, a towel on his head? <laughs> it, nothing would surprise me if I'm really, really honest. This is Chris. He'll probably turn up like in a French top with Mbappe. He's the best on the back, but you know. All nice. Um, we're going to quickly talk about Southampton, I guess we kind of got to, uh, and then we'll get on to the real reason why we're all here. Um, John, Southampton, not the best, let's, let's be honest. Um, when you saw the team, I'm not going to go over everything because I suppose everyone's spoken about it already. Did you look at that team and think they had enough about them to beat Southampton? Um. Yeah, I mean, just going back over the lineup. Obviously, Laka was out, Eddie back in, Nuno got given a chance again, and I thought, okay, we're struggling for goals. We weren't making tons of chances at the moment, um, but I just thought we've got enough energy in there. Saka can—he's just that sort of player that you can just turn it on. Martinelli as well. Um, it meant we had a few more options off the bench, weirdly, just because the way we were set up and. Um, yeah, going into it before the game, I thought, okay, you know, I know Southampton have been what, like, pump what was it like 6 0 or something the game before? Um, but I thought we'd give it a go. I wasn't like expecting a, like an amazing, you know, like eight out of ten performance all round, but I was just like, just get the result and see if it's, see it's over the line. 
Um, what actually happened was Fraser Foster had a 10 out of 10 game and they scored a goal from us switching off, which, I mean, I, like now, looking back on it, at the time I was fucking so annoyed, especially because it's like the third game and the loss. But if you go back and look at it now and actually watch the game back, we didn't play like horrendous. It's not like it's not the worst performance we've done all season. And we actually did create quite a lot of chances and Foster made some amazing saves in the game. And another day, we probably win that 3-4-1, something like that. And Southampton basically had two chances in the game and they scored one of them. Uh, and that was it. Other than that, they didn't really threaten us. Um, I know a lot of people sort of had a dig at Arteta for his like basketball analogy, I think, afterwards. Um, but it, I think he's right. If you go back and watch it now and you're sort of separated from the fact and you're on the high from the Chelsea, you're like, oh, actually, yeah, maybe if I do look at this, we weren't as bad as everyone said. No, I agree. It's, yeah, sorry. It's, it's it's just the it's the it's the thing, isn't it? Yeah, like yeah, very young teams. You're gonna have bumps in the road. Uh, it doesn't matter how you can be the best team in the league, and you're gonna lose games sometimes. Um, I'm not saying we are that, but it's just the fact it was like after the two previous games, and you know that you're like, oh, we're struggling to score goals. Then Lacazette, although he's been playing bad, he's experienced. He's not available. Eddie's coming into the team and you're like oh, everyone's got doubts about him and how he's going to perform how he fucking shut them up in the Chelsea game um, you know so it just puts you on more and more of a downer and then obviously you're looking ahead past that Southampton game to Chelsea United and everything else but in the end you know what I couldn't give a fuck about losing Southampton it don't bother me in the least bit because Thomas Tuchel apparently doesn't know how to look after his own football pitch what a twat Honestly, <laughs> it does make you laugh because some of the excuses that I've seen Chelsea fans <laughs> say, also saying that they played their B team. Well, they played their best goalkeeper, which is argu- arguably the best goalkeeper in the Premier League, one out of three. Uh, the best right back that they've got. Their captain played Mason Mount. Their hundred million pound striker. If your hundred million pound striker is part of your B team, then you know, something is definitely up. But anyway, um, well, I don't really want to talk about Southampton anymore. We lost. It was bad. It was a uh, end of a run of three, like John said. Everyone was down. Everyone was pessimistic going into the game, apart from John, um, <laughs> into the Chelsea game. Danny, before, I mean, you've done a preview show and you, I heard you say that you thought we was going to lose, so you can't deny that now. Um, <laughs> but your hopes for the game, did you... Like, did you think definitely we was going to lose or did you at least think maybe, just maybe, we'd get something out of this? Absolutely nothing. I was thinking Arsene Wenger's thousandth game all over again. I actually even contemplated not watching the game. And I have, uh, we all know how much I loved Eddie and Ketia over the years. You go back to the early days of ABW and the under 18s, under 21s, under 23s. I'm going, this bloke is he's, he's just like an Ian Wright kind of figure, where he is he's someone in the box that is going to poach you goals all the time. And then we saw it against West Brom this season, where he is, he, did it was a hat trick against West Brom and a combined total distance of two and a half inches for all three goals. And you think, well, why isn't he doing that? And then I looked at the stats, and I, I gave a cheeky, happy uh, one-year anniversary team. Did anybody really get him a card? Because it's one year and two days since he last scored a Premier League goal. But then I give that a little bit of context and said, well, he's only had one ninety minutes. He's only actually played three hundred and thirty minutes of Premier League football, which is we all know we can do our, our ninety times table. That's three and a half games of Premier League football in a year. 
and just like the rest of the people that have uh, have come in and struggled, Tavares, Lakonga, all of these people that they come in and then they've come in with no um, no match match time under their belt and we saw that last night with Big Bob in the first half really struggled and with with um, uh, the Egyptian Perlo um, also not played not started a game since the 2nd of December for Arsenal but he did play five um, five or six games in the, the AFCON got to the final and sadly lost uh, my Egyptian brothers but I had absolutely no hope for the game at all and it's uh, this is what gets beaten into you as an Arsenal fan. You go on that brilliant run, the games against Leicester, the games against Wolves, and you think, you know what? It's a, there's a, there's a good-looking boy or girl in the bar nowadays. They give me the eye. I think I'm in here. And they come over and do a big poo in your lap and give you a slap around the face and tell you, get, get realistic, sunshine. You've got no chance, as we saw against Brighton and we saw against Southampton. But there's a stat from those games. We had... Uh, Obviously, I've scrolled down to get something else. Um, yeah, against Southampton, we had 23 shots. Against Brighton, we had 20. And in and against Southampton, six shots on target. Last night, we only had four on target and scored all four. We only had 14 shots at goal. So uh, that was the only thing keeping me going, Cole, getting back to your point, is the fact we're having so many shots on goal. And uh, like John was saying, that was Fraser For- Forster's, Foster's, whatever his name is. That was his game of the season, an 8.51 rating. Only two other times this season did he get anywhere near an eight. And then it's just a game of his life. I remember it always used to say at the Emirates that every goalkeeper comes there and, and they play like Levy Ashin. I think he was a goalkeeper or Peter Shilton or, um, or Chris Woods or any of those people that someone might remember. But uh, I, I expected nothing, Carl, and I was as giddy as a kitten. How about you? I was uh, quietly optimistic. I, I remember came in the preview pod and I was saying um, that we're gonna we're gonna nick it, and people were saying and we that I'm something. You did like we. And I, I I don't know why, but it's just so typically Arsenal, isn't it, John? Like we'd lose three games that you think we we got to win. We got to beat we got to beat um, Southampton. We have to beat uh, Brighton. We have to beat Crystal Palace, and you think okay. Chelsea's the one that you think we're going to lose because that was our quote-unquote game in hand. And everyone was saying, oh, we're going to lose the game in hand because it's against Chelsea. And then all of a sudden, we turn up and do that sort of performance. Yeah, I mean, um, I was talking to my friend and he was, it was before the Southampton game and uh, we were chatting about it and he said, um, he said, this is what's going to happen. And like, he never bets on football. We just sort of, he just makes jokes about it and stuff. And I always say to him, you should definitely bet because you always call it. He's like, we'll lose to Southampton. We'll probably beat Chelsea and we'll probably like dominate United, like 95% possession or something. And somehow they'll win 2 0 with only one like shot on target or some nonsense like that. He said, it's just typical Arsenal, that sort of thing. And then he was joking about Spurs losing like every game till the end of the season, um, or like only beating like Spurs beat Liverpool but lose to everyone else and shit like that. It it is just very typical us. I think it's, um, I mean, it's a trend we've seen for a long time at Arsenal, but it's probably to be more expected with a, such a young team because so many of those players aren't experienced, and I would. I mean, I'm not a footballer, but I assume as a young player, when you get to play in those big games, you try and up your game because you're so excited about it. It's like, this is why I've like trained all my life as a kid to be able to play in these big, big matches. Um, and you saw it 
last night, Eddie, Saka, you know, um, Tavares, don't get me wrong, he wasn't outstanding, but the manager kept faith with him. He did his job. Uh, he helped, like, set up one of the goals, um, made a couple of chances. You know, Ben White isn't that old, really. He hasn't got tons of experience in the Premier League. Um, Gabriel as well, still relatively young. Ramsdale, Smith-Rowe. So, this team, we are going to suffer with it. But I think the thing is that when I look back through old Arsenal teams, it wasn't, unless you go back to like 2007, 2008, like that was probably the last team that I actually loved, like really loved the team and backed them and really wanted them to do well. After that, it was like, you might like a player like Alexis or Van Persie or someone, but the team as a whole, you're like, I don't really care about this guy, that guy, that guy. This team and this squad, like, I, there's players obviously you're going to love more than others. Like everyone loves Saka or Smith Rowe or Martinelli or whatever. But the whole group to get, I, I just love the team. I just want them to do well. And I've like, it doesn't matter how bad the run of form is, I'm eager to see the next game and see what they can do because they're always going to surprise you. And they did it in this one. And look, there's no denying the first half was a fucking complete clusterfuck from both sides, really. Like neither team was really on it at the level they should be. But second half, I thought we were way the better team. Um, you know, looked more likely of scoring a goal. And even when we went sort of super defensive, they just couldn't get through us. And I like genuinely big props. I know I'm a big Arteta fan and some people don't like him. And that's fine. If you're not a fan of the manager, I get it. Um, but I think he did get a number over on Tuchel with his tactical changes. He didn't know how the team was going to set up and the way they changed throughout the game and everything. Uh, just everything about it was fucking brilliant. Yeah, I agree. I mean, even from the starting lineup, what I liked was the fluidity because no one knew whether he was playing three at the back or whether he was mm. playing a hybrid four at the back, whether Ben White was going to play right back, whether uh, Saka was going to play right wing back. And even in the group, we was all speculating as well, like, oh, was it three at the back? Is it five at the back? Like, no one knew. And I think... The fact that we change mid-game, probably to suit Chelsea, um, to disrupt Chelsea, I should say, yeah. um, that was a good thing. I don't think they could handle us. And I don't think they knew when we changed, I think they thought, shit, what's going on here? We kind of need to change as well. But because they couldn't just match us up, and I think that's yeah. what kind of got on top of us. And I think the fact that we did it kind of so smoothly as well, um, like you said, not everybody had uh, a brilliant game. Tavares, I mean... Me and Femi was that, oh, fucking hell, it was just frustrating me. But his interception was the reason why we scored the, the, our third goal. So, yeah. you know, for every thing that he may do wrong, I still think he runs like a headless chicken. He runs into crowds. I don't know why he does that. <laughs> but, you know, but with time, he, he will change that. And the fact that he was so athletic, I remember even this, I keep going back to the group, but you were saying, John, oh, he looks like he's a winger. And playing up front, and I said, "Well, not with his passing stats, like because he's passing the whole team's passing was kind of atrocious." Yeah. I mean, he was like, especially in the first half as well. I think, I think, like both teams, like if if we had a Chelsea fan on here, um, they'd be saying the same thing. They'd be like, "If if we the the perfect thing we needed really was a neutral to say, like, I bet you enjoyed watching the game first of all." And they'd be like, "Yeah, it was fucking amazing." But if you look at the passing stats for the first half of both teams, I bet it's awful. Like everyone is probably way below the numbers they normally put up, uh, you know, from both first 11s. Um, 
Like holding, you can sort of understand because he hasn't played for so long and passing isn't really his strength anyway. Tavares, we know where the issues are there. But there's like people like Odegaard who like obviously grew into the game like some of his passes were off. Xhaka, who I know people aren't a huge fan of, but he doesn't genuinely like normally give the ball away. He might give it away in a stupid area sometimes, but he's normally quite neat and tidy on his passing. And he was sloppy. El Nenny as well was a guy who's generally very safe on the ball, doesn't do anything too flash. Um, and then you had the other side, like people like Mason Mount, Loftus-Cheek, uh, Kante, all players who you normally would think really good technical safe on the ball, just making like silly, silly errors. And I think it was the, the game was played at such a frantic pace in the first half and both teams really pressing like on each other, like big time. I think that moment where we sort of switched from, it was a back five sort of, and then we switched to a proper back four. And I think that's what threw Chelsea off. And then they didn't really know how to adjust because there was periods in the first half where they were on top, then it was us and it was back and forth. And yeah, I just, I just think in the end, like just like tactically outdid them. But also I just think it was a mentality thing as well. It's like one of those things you can't really measure. Arteta said a really good thing, uh, quote after his, his game. And was, you have to take everything with a pinch of salt, whether he said it or not. But, you know, he said to the, apparently said to the team before the game, if you want to play in the Champions League, you've got to come to places like Stanford Bridge and win. And they went out and they did that. And, you know, for, even for all the faults they made, a lot of the players, they all worked their ass off like all game long. And that, as a fan, that's all you want to see from a team. You know, you'll accept mistakes and errors and things like that. But if people actually put a shift in and try, then you'll cheer them, cheer them all day. And the away fans were fucking amazing. That sounded like a home game, like watching from the TV. That genuinely sounded like a home game. I mean, it was great, the fact that Chelsea couldn't um, have more than 25,000 because of their issues that are going on. And as you said, I think, I'm not too sure, but I'm quite sure that Arsenal got um, more allocation than they would normally get. Maybe just to buff out the ground, but maybe that's a mistake from Chelsea. Oh, good, whatever way you know, look at it. Because, like you said, you just heard Arsenal fans chanting for the whole entire game, which was absolutely brilliant. And like you said, that's what we need. We need... You know, Arteta has said it, you know, we need the team need to give the um, fans a reason to chant. And yesterday they did. I mean, away fans are always brilliant no matter where they go. Arsenal, Crystal Palace, um, I went to the game, but I was sitting in the home side. And the Arsenal fans, even though we were 3-0 down, still didn't stop chanting for the whole game. So they're just absolutely brilliant. And yeah, like I said, yesterday, the fans had a reason to chant. The fans had a reason to, you know, when you can... Football banner is, as I say, is, is brilliant, especially when you keep it within the context of football. And yesterday, you know, trying to say that, you know, the ground's half empty, you know, this is like it used to be before Bramovich came in with the money. I love that. That's absolutely brilliant. Um, and like you said, if the team plays well, the fans will be happy. Even, you know, like you said, I want the team just to put in a performance. When a team, when our team loses and we play rubbish, you, you see it. And you're kind of like, oh, fuck, this is ridiculous. But when they put in a shift and they lose, you think, all right, you know what? They lost. And I'm not happy that they lost. But a team puts in the performance and you think, right, go again, next game. And that's what I you kind of see. For, I know we shouldn't have put a judgment on this, but from Twitter, you see them saying, you know what? We lost, we go again. You know what? We lost, we go again. I look at, I look at Man United versus Liverpool and Man United fans are pissed off because their team have looked like they want to play they look like they literally 
can't be bothered to go out there and play. And, ah, Rudy's there. (laughs) Rudy, I told you yesterday that we was going to win. And you told me I was smoking something, didn't you? I'm waiting for you to come here. Anyway, um, (laughs) um, but yeah, you literally saw... um, Yeah, sorry. Um, You want the Man United fans, they look... They just look shell-shocked. And that's the reason why I guess Ten Hag was announced today to try and give them a little bit of a boost. It's kind of like when we lose and we, you know, release a new kit. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah you got, you got to give the fans something. Like, shit, now, you know what? We lost the game and we didn't look like we put enough effort in this. Crack another shirt out, Adidas. Just, like, cheer didn't everyone they release, up again. Didn't they release a new shirt before the game? Oh, they might a, a new bit of merch. Oh, yeah. the, I've lost track. Of it, honestly, I I think we've had more kids than signings in the last ten years. Honestly, <laughs> that's amazing. But no, that that I just the whole yeah. Last night was amazing. I was saying to Danny before we started, like I hardly ever drink anymore, and I was like halfway through the second half, I was like, I, it, when we were three two up, I was just like, I just knew I was like we're going to win, and there's going to be more goals. We're going to score more goals. I don't see Chelsea scoring again. I'm like crack open a beer. Had way too many last night. I feel like absolute shit this morning. Still slightly recovering, but like 100% worth it. I'll be hungover for the next week. Like, I'll be hungover for the rest of the season, Arsenal, and feeling dreadful if you just keep doing this till the end of the season. <laughs> I'll be well happy. I'll even start taking up drinking uh, a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, I just want to talk about the first goal quickly. Um, Chelsea were on the attack and Tavares just absolutely cleared the ball. And... It was a foot race between uh, Christensen and Eddie. And Christensen's ahead of Eddie and the ball's bouncing apparently on their pitch that, you know, um, they don't like. Um, Eddie and Ketia literally chases down Christensen, doesn't stop, doesn't give up. The ball's bouncing. Christensen tries to play it back to the goalkeeper. It's a really shitty back pass. Eddie raises onto it and puts it into the into the bottom corner. Um, at that point, Danny... How happy were you? I mean, I can, we can see in the picture there. Just look at what I said last night on the show that that is a. a to, looking at that position, you've got the uh, Saar running at you, and you've got one of the best goalkeepers in the league in front of you. And you can be thinking, well, this is Eddie. He hasn't really had much time, but he's also got that theme because I don't know if people, if they didn't listen to the show last night, I uh, reminded people that he was let go by Chelsea because they said he was too small. And then he, he said, uh, I think there was a quote he was saying, I, I, wasn't, I didn't really care because I'm an Arsenal fan. And then I went and signed for Arsenal and then become a goal machine for, for the youth. And I've always said for so long that I'd actually given up on Eddie. But I said for so long that all he needs is the chances to get in there and do it because he does it for the un- England under-23s. He broke. Um, who's, there was someone's record he broke for the under-23s. I can't remember who it was. Might be Franny Jeffers's record or something crazy like that, or Gary Lineker's record or someone like that. But he has got it in him. But we were saying it's, it's when he plays, it's boys against men, and that he struggles against uh, decent opposition. But he showed it last night, and he was so happy to do it. But at that point there, like the, the question you're asking, I thought, no, he's not going to do it. But then when he did do it, I went, oh, you, you fucking dirty bastard! How dare you! <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't, don't prick teasers, Eddie. Don't don't just do this once and then do nothing again. Don't go full Giroud and then do nothing for the rest of the season. And he didn't let us down, did he, Carl? No, I mean we'll probably talk about his performance later on. But I thought he had a very good game. Like um, I, I hate I hate comparing it to like Lacazette. But if Lacazette was on the pitch, we don't score that goal. 
just because I don't think Lacazette has the pace mm. to um, chase Christensen down and Christensen, I think, has more time um, to play it back to Mendy. But doesn't, you know, not taking away nothing from Eddie because he was a great finish. And I it's don't think really... It's, so sorry, yeah, to interrupt. It's really clever, like centre forward play as well. Like from the picture Danny showed, it's so easy for him to see uh, Sars coming across. I'm going to take a touch of my right foot and keep Sar on my right hand side and almost sort of run shoulder to shoulder to him. But he doesn't. He's really intelligent. He knocks it past Sar and runs across the defender. If Sar touches him, that's it. Sar red card. You're off. You're you're taking out a player and a goal scorer. So Sar has either got the choice of I've got to bring this guy down or just like move out of the way, basically. Um, you know, and then from there, he's still got a lot of work to do. And it's a really, really cool finish. It's probably the furthest out he scored a goal for Arsenal, I think. Yeah, I think um, I saw that. Um... Yeah, I'm pretty sure that is. But the, the other thing I would say is as well, if you actually watch the uh, the bit before that, we're obviously defending a Chelsea attacking. We get the ball and I think Xhaka like, plays it back to Tavares to clear it as such. But Tavares actually takes a second and looks for the channel where he's in. And it's not like a, it's not like a hit and hope, but he's like, I'm just going to put it in that area. And I'm sure Arteta tells the players, you know, obviously try and keep it and play it out from the back and keep it on the ground. But if you have to clear it, try and make sure there's a runner there. So whoever the forwards are, Martinelli, Eddie, whoever it is, you know, make sure you're available and in that channel where the fullback or the centre-back is going to hit it. And he tries to get it down that channel for Eddie to chase onto and look, it's not like a perfect pass or anything, but he puts him in a situation where he can pressure Christensen. And all right, look, we get real luck because Christensen cocks up the pass. But Eddie's still got to work all that time. He's still got to take it across the and he's still got to beat the keeper. And that is a really, really good finish. Um, you know, if if you like, like you said, and this is not me, I don't want to pick on Lacazette because I think he has done really, really well for us this season. He's obviously his form has dipped. But in his current form, even if you put him in the position where Eddie was when he took the strike on goal, I'm not even convinced Lacazette finishes that. And like finishing is his real strength, you know, just because his confidence is so low. Um, Danny made a good point about Eddie sort of, whenever we've seen him before, it's kind of been men versus boys and he's got maybe the technique and the speed and everything. But he does look like he's bulked up and pre-seasons we saw him in some games and he was really pressuring people and muscling into defenders and hold-up play was good. Um, and he just, maybe he needs those runner games. Whether that means he gets a contract or anything like that in the summer, that's, you know, way down the line. You don't do it off of the back of one game. But I'm pleased for him. Um, if it means he plays for the rest of the season, gets some more goals, that's great for us. Whether it means he gets to stay at Arsenal or not, I've got no idea. Uh, if it helps him get a contract at another Premier League club in the summer, if we let him go, then, you know, Good luck to him. But the one thing with Eddie, every time he's played, ever since he's come into the team, since being a teenager, you never fault his commitment. He always tries. You know, he always keeps going. Um, whether he'll finish him or not all the time isn't, you know, that that he's not been so lucky on. But he will always give you 100%. Um, I have a sneaky feeling maybe he heard Uncle Ian on Ask Blog. I don't know if people listen to that. That is the sweariest podcast I think I've ever listened to. <laughs> uh, Ian Wright on Ask Blogs podcasts the other day he was absolutely losing it and someone did like a super cut of just Ian Wright swearing it was so good but yeah I don't know maybe maybe Eddie listened to that and he went you know what Uncle Ian's yeah I should listen to him and maybe work a little bit harder and obviously it's paid off it's a great goal yeah I can't fault it um, and that's what you want you want commitment you want 
you know, he, let's be honest, he's probably he's going to leave Arsenal because I don't know if you saw, he done an interview on a podcast and he was saying that, you know, he just wants to play football yeah. and people were saying that he doesn't do well, but if he only comes on with 10 minutes to go, what can he show in 10 minutes? And yeah, you kind so- of think, yeah, you know, what, what can you do? I mean, yeah, you, you want to come on and make an impact, but it takes time to get into a game. And yeah. you can't just do that with cameo appearances of 10 minutes here, five minutes there. It's, like, it's, it's really hard. Yeah, it's like the top 1% of the 1% who can do that, just come on in a game and affect it. You know, those really, really top level elite players. Some players need a run of games to get that, that match speed up, don't they? But look, the, the way he's playing, I thought he was decent in the Southampton game as well. He was unlucky. Um, was it Brighton as well? Post, I think he, it? Yeah. yeah, I think he did the same thing in the Brighton game. He came on. Um, so look, he looks sharp. Uh, I hope he gets the nod for United because there'd be no reason really to not put him in the team. Um, and yeah, just like just keep doing it, Eddie, and just keep pressuring people. Because I tell you, if I'm if I'm in that Man United squad, and I'm looking at Ralph, and I'm going, please, for fuck's sake, do not play Harry Maguire and let Eddie and Kenny run it. <laughs> Can you imagine? I mean, this is the right. This is the thing my mate joked about, where he said about Arsenal being like he said. Harry Maguire's going to have the game of his life against Arsenal. He's going to score a bicycle kick from the halfway line or something. <laughs> but if I'm, if I'm Harry Maguire, like his missus, because his missus must watch the game sometimes, just think, fucking hell. I can't, I've lucked out here. He's got all that money. He's got no personality. He ain't got the looks, but at least he's got the money. But fuck me, he's shit at football. And then she watches the Arsenal game and goes, he's got to, he's got to chase that kid. No, he's got no chance. No fucking chance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, from an Arsenal perspective, you're hoping that flipping um, Harry Maguire does start. And he probably will, but more than likely, may that all of a sudden come out of all their players. Varane will come back. They'll probably have McTominay back. Um, and Ronaldo will probably come back and have a point to prove. But, you know, you can have the papers in front of you. Uh, Danny, if we talk about the good of Arsenal, we have to talk about the bad of Arsenal, sadly. And the first goal that we conceded. Um, from what I can remember, um, Elneny tried to play a ball to Xhaka and I think Kante intercepted it. And uh, I can't remember who was on the wing. Uh, goes, goes to me now. Um, uh, Werner, that's Werner, it. Werner, Werner, was, yeah. yeah, Werner. And he cuts in and he takes a shot. And I think Xhaka kind of turns his back and it deflects of Xhaka's foot and it goes into the goal. And I think Ramsdale just wrong-footed. He tries his best to get there. I was, when I first saw it, I was very critical of Ramsdale. I was like, you should have got there. And I thought it was a really soft goal to concede. But you do see that a really slight deflection of Xhaka and Ramsdale just, he just can't get there. The ball, the flight of the ball just goes in. Um, Danny, could we have done more to prevent that uh, goal? Um, no, not really. Uh, people are moaning about Xhaka turning his back. When you've got someone, I mean, you can see in the little picture there, that bloke has put all of his weight behind that ball and he has spanked it. And later on in the game, we did see Xhaka not turn his back and he got hit and he got hit with the ball and he just stood there and went, I've got Albanian blood in me. He hit the ball at me all day long. So it does make you wonder why he turned his back. But if, if he wouldn't have turned his back, Carl, then, then the, it, it wouldn't have ricocheted off him. And... Uh, it, it probably wouldn't have gone in. So the answer is yes, Jacka, don't turn your back. But how many people are going to want to stand there when a bloke's kicking the ball as hard as he can at you in that split second? Because he's so far out from goal. I mean, I never remember what the yard lines are from there, but he's, he's about six foot out from the edge of the box. And for him to have a shot there, no one's expecting that. 
and uh, the old nine times out of ten, that's not going in thing is is applicable there, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, like I said, when I first saw it, I, I did think that Ramsdale could have done more, but he couldn't. I think his weight, you can see from the picture that you're showing, his weight is on his other foot to go the other way. But because it takes that slight deflection, it, it literally just spins. And I was kind of kicking myself just because of the timing of the yeah. goal. I think it was like four minutes. Um, I, you kind of just, you, people always say you're vulnerable just after you score. And yeah. I think that kind of showed that we were. And like you said, Danny, I don't think there's much we could have done. Like you said, nine times out of 10, he takes that shot. It's, and it's Werner as well. That goes high and handsome. Yeah. yeah, it goes into the crowd. Like, <laughs> it's not going to go in. Um, so, I, as much as you don't like seeing goals conceded, John, like it was one of those things that there was not much we could have done about that. Yeah, I mean, it, the pace of the game is so ridiculous. And, like, as you know, we get the first goal, we get a bit of luck from Christensen, but it's from hard work and the way we're set up and everything. Um, and then, yeah, the way we conceded it. But it was just so many sloppy passes. And it was from both teams. It wasn't just us. Um, I think it was actually Eddie who played the, like, short pass to, to Xhaka in the end. And I know, I know people are going to dig me out for this because I'm such a Xhaka stan. But the whole turning your back thing, I don't think he's turning his back as much as he's trying to make himself as big as he can to try and block the shot. And and in Ramsdale's defence, because the first time I saw it, I was like, fucking hell, Ramsdale, how did you not save that? Because it seemed slow the, after the deflection. But it's, it gets a deflection which changes the flight. And I think holding's like directly in his eye line. And like holding is sort of out of place, not sure where he's supposed to go. Because Jack has come in, he doesn't know if he's covering Loftus-Cheek, who's coming through the middle or... Um, I can't remember who was on the overlap. It might have been Alonso or someone coming down uh, on the outside of, uh, of Werner. Um, so I just think he sees it so late. And look, I, I said this during the game when it was 2-2, um, and I still stick by it. Right, Chelsea were basically missing Rudiger and Jorginho. Now, granted, Rudiger is their best defender, no denying that, and Jorginho is a brilliant midfielder. But they've got so much depth and talent, it's ridiculous. Their bench was fucking unreal last night compared to ours. We were going toe-to-toe with the current European champions, all right, and they're not going to be by the end of the season, quite comfortably the third-best team in the country, um, arguably should be doing better this season than they actually are, and one of the best teams in Europe. And we've gone out there without Partey, uh, Tommy Asu. Um, you know, we haven't really had a striker Tierney. for the last six months. No Tierney. You know, we're missing tons of key players and like experienced players as well. That's the big thing, like big experienced players. And we were going toe to toe with them. And I was just like, sometimes you've got to suck it up and just go, all right, the other team have got really good players and they'll get a bit of luck. Like we got some luck on our first goal. They got some luck on theirs from the deflection. It's like fine. But just the the attitude of the players and the way we were playing and how vulnerable Chelsea looked to us. I, I, I wasn't worried. I was like, no, I think it's we, we're still well in this. Like, I just there was just a belief in the way they were moving the ball and the way we were getting at Chelsea's defence. They seemed so open at the back that they were just there to be to be taken apart. And we like Makayo Saka, man, Woo! that boy. <laughs> The second goal was yeah. brilliant. I mean, it was a, a pass up. Well, I think when Saka's one on one with you, it's a write off. I, I, especially you know Saar, who mm. you know when he came from France, everyone was talking about you know he's the second coming of Cannavaro. But once he cuts in on his left foot, it's just brilliant. Pass to Odegaard. Odegaard just takes a touch, 
waits for um, ESR to come in, and Smith Rowe literally rolls it into the back of the net. Oh, the goal, the, the counter attack, just absolutely beautiful. It's such a good finish. Like that is Paul. Mer- that is me, my childhood, watching Paul Merson score goals. Mm-hmm. Like when I was growing up, that is such a beautiful finish. But the team goal. And it is hilarious because it is like um, someone did a tweet and it was a video and it was Arsenal this season in a nutshell. Because if you rewind the play all the way back, there's we've got the ball at the back, we're under pressure, Holding gets it, he's still rusty, he's passing, hasn't been great, and he sort of wanders into no man's land in the middle of the 18-yard box and everyone's going, fucking hell, Bob, what are you doing? You Fucking Granite comes in, he's like, it's all right. I'm going to Maldini the shit out of this. Just takes it off him. <laughs> takes it past one. Nutmegs another. Cruise into midfield. And he's like, oh, my mate Martin's over there. Nice calm pass. Boom. Martin will know what to do with it. And er- Erdegaard, like, all night, as soon as he got the ball, he was instantly right. Is Saka one-on-one with Alonso? He's going to fucking ruin him. Because he had Alonso on toast. He, that guy did not want anything to do with him. Just like, I was about to make a joke about Alonso could have been in his car. He still would have driven away. Um, <laughs> there was some great, like, some of the songs last night about Alonso were amazing. But yeah, no, just like Jack, Jack are in that. And I was like, you're not making people in our box. And I was like, that's fucking amazing. Like to have the balls to like, again, I know I love Xhaka, but yeah, just to have the confidence to do that. That's why managers pick him. Because he was like, no, I'll take the responsibility. If I fuck up, it's my fault. I'll, I'll take the flat for it. But yeah, do that. And then Erdegaard and then just out to Saka and just that Chelsea defence is just instantly like, shit, in the moment that kid gets the ball. And Smith Rowe, just those time and no runs. You know, he's been a little bit out of form lately and he looks like maybe he's carrying an injury. But he had that spark again last night. A couple of times he picked the ball up and turned and ran at people and took his man on and beat him and stuff. Um, yeah, that's like one of my favourite goals for a long time, long, long time. And yeah, I love those finishes where it's just like if we like because you the way he's coming onto it, you expect him to like drill it into the top corner or something, don't you? But yeah, just totally calm, and the keeper is just like, no, got no chance. Such a yeah, the fact that he just rolls it in, and you know, it's it's like you said, John, it's the whole team goal that Mm -hmm. the fact that Chelsea nearly scored, and the fact that we counter attack, and within ten seconds we're going. We're going um, two one up against, like you said, the third best team in English yeah. football uh, this season, the current European champions, and no one expected it. And the fact that Stamford Bridge literally went quiet, apart from the Arsenal fans uh, celebrating, which you know who who doesn't love to see that, it's just brilliant. And you know, Xhaka, he gets it. He, you know, he doesn't. He's no, he's not everyone's favorite player, mm. but he's one of those necessities that you need you need him in the squad I mean you know when the summer comes up there's going to be talk of him leaving no doubt there's going to be talk of him going and you know he should be still being a team for every bad game that Granit Xhaka has he has a game like that yeah where without him you know what would we do He's he's a real leader on the pitch as well. There was a few journalists last night. Um, I think Simon might have uh, tweeted it as well, but they were saying that like Arteta was in constant dialogue with Jacker about the way the team shape was changing and positional plays and everything. And he just relays that out because he understands all of that. And look, he's got his flaws and his faults, but he's a genuine leader on the pitch, and that's why so many players you know respect him and look up to him because. He will. It'll be the first one if he makes a mistake to front up to everyone. But he's got the confidence. Sometimes he hasn't got the ability. Don't get me wrong. 
another time he does that, we lose the ball and can see the goal, and he looks fucking stupid, and we do. But he will always say, yeah, give me the ball. I'll take the ball. Don't care. Three players on me, I'll take the ball. Just give me the ball. He's not Thomas Partey. He's not going to be able to wriggle out of it every single time like Partey does because he hasn't got that ability. But he will never shy away from it. Yeah, the, the whole team and like just like even in that goal as well, like Eddie's movement as well, like dragging defenders back so it makes the space for Smith Rowe. It is a whole, whole team goal. And having the confidence to go and play like that and score a goal like that after you've conceded, you know, so quickly in response to your first one at Stamford Bridge against the team that, you know, those players probably go in there knowing, oh, this is a really fucking good team. They, maybe they are better than us. But still having the confidence to go and do that and then the ability to do it as well. That's, that is so good. Yeah. So, like, really, really, really pleased just for the whole team. Um, and I have absolutely loved that goal. But yeah, just it's, I will never get over the image of watching Granite Jacka nutmegging someone in our box to set up a goal. <laughs> that is that's gonna be like I've just got that like gif running through my head all day. Um, Danny, at that point we're cruising two one, and you're thinking just get to half time, just get to half time, and we can um, reset for the second half. But you forget, Danny, that you support Arsenal. <laughs> Arsenal don't like to make things easy, do they? No, they don't. Um, Danny, just a quick question. Do you think it was a foul on Ben White in the lead-up to the Chelsea goal? I didn't see enough of the replay because I was too busy shouting that it was. But um, I think the it might have been, was it Alan Smith doing the commentary? or Whoever it was yeah. was saying uh, it does look, uh, uh, in slow-mo, it does look like he fell down. But either way, you have to give the advantage to the defender because it turns out that when they, um, he uh, got into the box... Um, I put it up here. That um, we look at that picture in the centre of the box. You've got Ramsdale crouching down, doing the uh, ready to do something about it, and then uh, unpronounceable is there, and he, he toe pokes it past um, Ramsdale. But the only player really near him is Tavares, our left back, who's played five minutes of football all season. You think, hold on, haven't we got three other centre backs on the pitch? Where are they all? Well, one's laying on his ass because he's been fouled. And the other two are running into the box going, oh, shit, we didn't expect that to happen. And they were still waving their arms. You can see there, oh, and he's got his arms up and uh, Ben White is standing there not doing anything and Saka is standing there not really doing anything. They all obviously thought it was a foul, which is why they hadn't all rushed over and Chelsea being the cheating uh, rent boys that they are, they just carried on playing. You know, let, let them have the go goal, Carl. It doesn't matter because uh, we're better than them. Morally and on the pitch, we're better than them. So it uh, turns out I wasn't bothered, but at the time I was screaming, you cheating swines. I mean, I hear you, Danny, but, you know, it's the eight-olds play to the whistle. It's not a foul until the referee yes. says it is. And the fact that we kind of stopped playing doesn't bode well. And like you said, as we look at her coming in and finishing like that, John, just can or should Tavares do a little bit better? Like, should he have more awareness of Aspilicueta running off him? Yeah, he should do. Um, he's, I mean, his positional awareness hasn't been great. To be fair, at least he's like tracking the runner, but he lets him get the wrong side. That's that's the big problem there. Um, but yeah, the fault to start with Ben White. I'll, I'll be honest. I love Ben White because of his shithousery and some of the things that he does to like buy fouls or the little trips and stuff he does on people running past him and the way he looks at the ref with that innocent face. It's like, like as if as if I'd do anything like that. But I think that was a case of a centre back playing at right back, 
maybe forgetting what position he's in because he's done that a few times, like either giving away fouls in that position or, you know, trying to win a foul and not being quite aware of where he is. I think if he's playing centre-back, he doesn't make that decision to go down so easy. He gets muscled a little bit too easy and thinks, oh, I'll just buy a foul here, we'll be all right. Um, and it, it doesn't get away with it. That, that doesn't excuse the defending, um, you know, and it, it's a good ball and it's a really good run from um, Aspilicueta. As or Af Billiqueta, that's his name, Daniel, uh, or Dave, as the Chelsea fans call him. Um, which I did, yeah, it's the, it's the one funny thing about Chelsea, I guess. Um, but yeah, look, Nuno defending is clearly not his strong point. Whether he stays at the club or not, who knows? Um, I hope he gets more chances, it balances the team better. Um, we can cover him. I think enough in games. We, I mean, we did in the Chelsea game, so there's no reason why we can't in others. He's going to get exposed sometimes. Um, maybe it is something you can work on. Who knows what his long-term future is. But at the end of the day, I really didn't care that we conceded because I was like, we're just going to score more goals because Chelsea mm-hmm. were just there for the taking. It was... I mean, we come out in the second half and... I was kind of half expecting there to be a change. I thought, I said in the group, and me and sort of Femi agreed that this game was screaming out for Martinelli. And I honestly thought that he would take off Tavares and put on Martinelli and then go to like a, a very hybrid uh, formation because I just thought Chelsea's backline were so shit. If they had Saka one side, Emil Smith Rowe, and Martinelli all running at them, that they would have shit the bed, that they literally wouldn't know of what to do. And we had a, a few other chances. There was a, a shot by um, Emil Smith-Rowe, which just went wide. But then we came out in the second half and, you know, we matched them up. And I think both teams may, maybe got a dressing down from their managers. They were told, you pass to the team that's in red, because that's the people that you need to pass to um, because our passing did get better in the second half. And I think I think both teams are kind of told, just calm down a little bit. You know, 2-2, two, two, we're still in this game. Um, it's there for the t- taking. And I think both teams almost always believed that it was there, but it was our team that sort of took the impetus, John. And, you know, like I, like I said in the beginning, um, Tavares uh, pounces, capitalises on uh, a loose ball. Uh, and there is... <laughs> the most Arsenal of Arsenal goals. It ping-pongs in the box between Eddie, um, Thiago Silva, yeah, Thiago Silva being on by then, and uh, not Christian Sensar, and Eddie passes along and just slots it in, and by then, probably like you, John, and myself, uh, you get to scrape us off the roof. Yeah, that was, um, I think, just before that went in, I just cracked open my first beer, and I think half of it got like spilled all over the place and I was throwing it out of my room and fucking, yeah, just going nuts. <laughs> Only person in the flat, flatmate's not here. I'm absolutely screaming, shouting, jumping about, sending voice notes to my mates, uh, acting like I'm in the stadium. Um, yeah, like literally just before that, Thiago Silva made a really good tackle, like his first tackle in a game on Enketia to stop him a, a really good chance. I was like, oh, this is going to be tough already now because Christensen wasn't on it. And like Thiago Silva's a very, very good defender. Um, but yeah, look, we got a bit of luck. But again, that, that that luck comes from pressing high, knowing which players to press at the right time, pressing at the right time, the right keys and triggers for that. 
Um, Tavares cuts the ball out, you know, and Eddie's in there just persevering, just like negging away. And if you're a defender and you've got someone like that chasing, it's like we used to moan about like Shane Long. You just like be at your ankles, like if you were like when it was Kashelny and people back in the day. Um, yeah, and he's like little little toe poke, and sometimes that's all you need. The moment that goal went in, I was like, that's it, we've won this. Because I, you could just see the players and Chelsea were just so, they just looked despondent and all overshot. I mean, from that still, you look at this and this starts like outside the box. This is pinging back and forth all over the place. One minute Eddie's got it, next he's not. Sars got it, then Kante, then Thiago Silva. And yeah, just to like they get in a real mess. And that's just really good striker instinct. It's, it shows the difference you have when you have a striker who is pressing up and he's going to be in the box and always available to try and pounce on something. And for what Eddie may lack in uh, maybe some technical abilities or some physical attributes, his movement and his understanding and anticipation of where a ball is going to drop is really good. You cannot doubt that. He's always had that. His finishing might not be like in the top, top percent or anything, but he knows where the ball is going to be. Um and yeah, it was just, again, really, really good, really good work from him. Like, absolutely deserved his plaudits. And like, we get that goal. And like, as you said, in the second half, both teams were passing better. But I thought we shut down Mason Mount. He weren't getting on the ball, wasn't, like spraying about as much. I thought we looked much more comfortable. We were being sensible. The moment we got that goal, we go ahead. Once we win the ball back, we're just calm in possession. Like, we don't have to push it. We don't have to push it as much. We can keep it in the back a little bit, pass it about, keep it midfield, let Chelsea come onto us. Then we'll find the space. Then we'll hit it out to Saka and scare Alonso again. Or then we'll put it into Smith-Rowe and like, get him to turn and run. And we just looked way more comfortable than they did. And I, I think after that goal, they maybe had one other chance. I don't, I, can't, I don't think it was from a corner. It might have been from open play where they managed to flash one across the box. But other than that, I don't remember them like troubling us at all in the game, like in the second half. We just yeah, looked at the a much better team. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I kind of feared a little bit um, Lukaku versus Big Bob Holding because, you know, um, he. I just thought if they put Lukaku on Rob Holding, he's just going to out-muscle him. But I don't know, John, you watch Italian football um, a lot. The difference between the Inter Lukaku and the Chelsea Lukaku is just almost ridiculous. It seems like, I don't know, when he, in Italy, he seemed like he was much more fit. It looks like he's put on a bit more weight now. It looks like he just can't bother to run. I don't know if it's anything to do with the interview that happened for just the end of last year, was it? Um, yeah, he was talking like about that. that. He, didn't, he didn't want to leave Inter, but it was false too. And then he kind yeah. of dropped out of form there. But, you know, what is, what in your opinion, what's the major difference between, you know, the, the Inter Lukaku and this Chelsea one? Well, when, when he first came back to Chelsea, they, they played a system that suited him a lot more. Um, and he was getting the ball a lot more with his back on a defender and he could turn and run. Obviously, Inter, he had another guy to play off of. He had Lotaro and he could he would be the sort of busy, almost like an Alexis-type character. He'd be busy and running around him and making runs and opening up space for him and stuff. Um, but yeah, ever since that interview, for whatever reason, his form dipped, then obviously fell out of favour. He wasn't getting picked a lot then it was kind of funny because at first I was like well if they're not going to play Lukaku who's going to score goals for Chelsea but all of a sudden Timo Werner apparently remembered how to play football because he can fucking score in a brothel before that happened um, you know and they obviously got Havertz and Ziyech Mason Mount and stuff 
but I think the the system they play doesn't suit him. You need to let him just receive the ball, not cover so deep, and, and just let him play with his back into people. But yeah, he doesn't look as fit as he was before. So I don't know if he's like got an injury at some point or something in that period where he was dropped and it's knocked him a bit. I you know, I don't know what the I would assume that the diet at Chelsea is pretty good. But I know that a lot of players say when they go to Syria that like the food and the quality of the food is so much better than other leagues they've played in. And it does help them keep fitter. Um but yeah, he, he's a really good player. But last night, he may as well have not been on the pitch. I can't remember him in touching the ball, really. There was like one moment where he like ran towards our box and laid it off for, I can't remember if it was Werner or Havertz, but that was it. He did nothing all game. He didn't win headers. He wasn't like holding the ball up. They just, they bossed him. And I think the weird thing is, so I thought he was going to play, like you said, against Holding because he's rusty and obviously hasn't come in. But a lot of the game, he was playing against Gabriel and Gabriel just beasted him. He was like, this is great. This is what, this is the football I want to play. I want to smash into people. He loves that sort of stuff, Gabriel. So there was a stat going around where I think in the first half, it was between uh, Aaron Ramsdale and Lukaku who had uh, the most touch, uh, the least amount of touches. And that goes to show you a lot that if your goalkeeper, if our goalkeeper and your 100 million pound striker has the Mm. same amount of touches, then something is definitely going wrong. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I just think the way Arteta set the team up and the fact he was changing it in the game multiple times, and then we'll obviously we'll get to the subs he brought on as well. I think it just messed Chelsea up and they didn't know how to deal with it and it just completely knocked Lukaku's game. And I think Tuchel almost admitted himself after the game, like, oh, I, I got some things wrong, like with the lineup and stuff. And Arteta just outfought him and the players went out and did it on the pitch. Uh, I mean, Danny, um, for some unknown reason, um, Azpilicueta or Dave wanted to swap shirts with uh, Saka before the game ended and he just grabbed hold of him. Now, I've looked at this and I, I, as I, with every decision, I put on my Arsenal hat and I think if that was against, uh, if that was, I don't know, Rob Holding on Lukaku, would I feel the same? And I looked at it and I thought, I would. It is six of one half dozen the other, but the fact that he starts grabbing him before the ball uh, is even crossed in and it gets crossed in and for some reason, he's um, Aspilicueta is grabbing Saka and dragging him down. What was going through his head, Danny, do you think? Yeah, I've got the uh, the photo here somewhere of it. Um, I, I've got uh, a theory. Sorry, as Danny tries to find the photo. Yeah. I think Aspilicueta was trying to get Saka's autograph because if you look just before the ref blows his whistle, he's like he's holding on to him, but it almost looks like he's begging him. I think he wants his autograph. Like I don't know if, if someone had told him, like like at the end of the game, he probably could have asked for his autograph, and then he wouldn't have had that argument with a fan. But yeah, that was hilarious. Go on, Danny. But he's, um, Saka is doing the right thing. If you, I remember this quite vividly, which is strange for me because I don't usually. So Saka's running into the box and then he feels um, Dave behind him and he's got his arms around him. It's almost like he's trying to give him the Heimlich manoeuvre. That'd been a great name for the show, wouldn't it? Um, yeah, so he's like trying to give him the Heimlich. And then, like any player, you can see um, Saka's... Uh, is Saka, isn't it? Of course it is. Yeah, yeah Saka's left arm is on the, the, the left thigh of... Uh, of of Dave, so it's almost like trying to push him away, and then he's also decided like you can see Eddie's right, um, Saka's right leg has gone underneath himself, so he's gone. 
well, fair enough. I'm not getting to the ball. Any other player in that position would probably. He's got his arms around me. And if if you're an experienced pro and you're too, you're that stupid that you're gonna in the 90th minute you're gonna grab someone round the waist. I'm gonna take. I'm gonna hold on to his arm. You can see Saka's uh, right arm is clinching Dave's right arm underneath his armpit. He's going, well, I'm keeping that there. I'm going down. I get a penalty here. So it's a uh, it's a very clever move by by Saka. And yeah, no matter what team does it in any position or any players, that's a penalty. Because if he's stupid enough to put himself in that situation where he's going to start hugging uh, the player like that, you, you, you'd be silly not to take him down and um, to go down with it, wouldn't you? Because nothing else was going to come from that. No, I agree. I, I, I don't see anything wrong that sucker done. And any other player in that position would have done exactly the same thing because it was the fact that if he just stood goal side, Aspilicueta is going to win that ball um, in front of Saka. Mm. But for some reason, he, he just drags him and you think to yourself, you know, what are you doing? I mean, yeah, let's be very honest. Like Rudy said, it was a very soft penalty. It was really soft. But I don't care. Do you know why I don't care? Because Arsenal have had decisions go like that against them all season long. And, you know, it's about time we got the rubber the green. I mean, John, how did Mason Mount stay on the pitch yesterday? Yeah, that, that is exactly what I was going to say. The, oh, like, the the first one was like high studs. The studs yeah, the yeah studs in the first half, wasn't it? And I think, like, at the time I was annoyed, but then obviously we were winning and stuff and I didn't really care. But the second one, I think he's more of a, like, he's a high foot and it's, it should have been a booking. I don't think he's like an intentional one. Um, it, but it's the accumulation of like you've done that twice in a game and you haven't even been booked. It, it's it's just bizarre. So like I thought the ref again we don't really need to talk about it because we won. But I thought the ref was shocking yesterday for uh, for us in particular with some of the decisions. But um, yeah, how, how he stayed on. And then there was uh, was it Sar as well? I think. There was a moment where it might have been in the build-up to the sack of getting the penalty. I can't remember who he dragged down now, but he was like lucky because he, he's dragging on someone else, and I think he'd already been booked at that point. Um, so he could have like got himself sent off as well. So they could have ended up with like nine men. Um, like at the end of the day, as long as no players are injured and stuff, he's fine. We've been shit unlucky with referees this season. But I guarantee if you speak to fans of every other club, they're all going to say the same thing. The referees in this league are fucking dog shit. They are not good enough to do the job. They are really bad. VAR, there's no problem with it. The problem is the people who are operating VAR. You look at other leagues, the referees are much higher quality. Yes, they'll make mistakes because everyone makes mistakes. It's human. It's what we do. But the level of the refereeing in this country is so, so bad. The fact we got given the penalty and it was John Moss, Fucking amazing. Like, the, the things that happened last night that if you asked after the Southampton game, uh, an Arsenal striker scoring two goals, not one, two goals from open play, John Moss not booking Granite Xhaka and awarding Arsenal a penalty. <laughs> the, these things don't exist. And all I'm saying is, look, yesterday it was 4.20. We fucking blazed it all over Stamford Bridge. <laughs> it was amazing. It was so, so good. And also... Danny probably hasn't got the picture. I should have told him before. But Saka getting that ball and taking it off Martinelli for that penalty, you just need that. Someone needs to get the fucking the picture of, uh, what's his name? Uh, Simeone with the cojones where he's like giving it that. 
just get that picture and he's giving it, check out the size of my balls and just put Saka's head on it. Because after the Euros, like, all the fucking, the pain and suffering he must have had from that, the stick from other fans and everything, but stepping up, yeah, right, it's a different situation, but he takes the ball off Martinelli, he's like, no, 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 I'm taking this penalty. Takes the exact same penalty scores. That that kid is unreal, honestly. The mentality of that kid, so, so good. He's I mean, so Danny, grounded. How, oh. how happy was you, Danny, when he scored that penalty? I mean, you just, you just saw the elation when he scored that penalty. Oh, just... Uh, I, I wasn't bothered by whether... Uh, I, 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 it might have been um, helping him the fact there was no pressure on it. We'd won the game. It was all over. That This was just a purely fuck you, Chelsea, in your face. You, uh, you've, you've got no fans. You've got empty seats. You've got no money. You've got one ball, much like Himmler and all that lot. And then just look at uh, Saka there. And that that is all the Arsenal artists are going to be doing, drawing that. And that's going, that's le- almost legendary. Not, not quite the Thierry Henry against Spurs. Where, where all the Arsenal fans are in the background, but it's along that line of all the fans going mental and Saka and just the look on his face and everything about that just summed up a perfect night for us. And hopefully we can get this form, Carl, and bring it on to, on, on to Sunday because uh, it almost looks like he's fallen, Arteta's fallen upon the old party's out. Oh, hello, old Nenny. Oh, you, you, you're doing a job there. You're doing all right. Big Bob's come in, look good the second half. And Man United are on their arse, and we've got all the ingredients there, Carl. Plus the the, the passion from from the young lads there, and it's <laughs> we've had three shit games in a row where we all wanted to go now for fuck's sake. Oh, is it, here we go again, and the Arsenal roller coaster is now right at the very top. Now, do we go up another level, Carl, against Man United, and do it again, or do we plummet back down and get back to the uh, the? Oh, here we go. Arsenal is shit again because it's mental cruelty, Carl, and it's driving me quite frankly out the wall. Yeah, I mean, like you said, I, mean, I saw a picture on Twitter where it said, um, you know, last will the main United that we want to turn up is to want to play against Liverpool. The main United that will turn up will be the the ninety nine treble winning side yes. where. Some unknown reason, Harry Maguire would have the game of his life. He scored like a bullet header from outside the box. Uh, Jesse Lingard will start and do a little dance on our pitch. Nobody fucking wants that. Like, but see, my my issue now is what team do we go with against Manchester United? I mean, you can almost say that Ronaldo probably will be back, um, and it wouldn't surprise me. McTominay with a shit housing in the middle of the pitch, he'll be back. Wolverine be back. Um, you know, who knows? But I mean, Tommy Asu has been seen, you know, in training pitches and didn't make the 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 um the bench yesterday. But so obviously he's not fit enough to even be on the bench, which makes me think that he's definitely gonna come back into the starting lineup against Manchester United, and hopefully he gets to make the bench, but I don't know, like John, would you would you revert to Cedric at right back and then Ben and Gabriel in the middle, or would you go with the same team that we played against Chelsea to play Man United? Um, I think for the most part, I would keep it the same. The the question, yeah, I think the bigger question is probably does Cedric come back in and Ben White shuffle back to centre back? 
I'm guessing that will depend on who's available for United. I'm sure Arsenal have way better intel than we do on who's going to be available for them, who's fit, that sort of thing. So that will be dependent on that. Um, will El Nenny play again? I don't know. Lekonga might come back in for the United game again. Depends who's available in the midfield. But has like he done the, enough, John, to deserve a start? Yeah, no, don't get wrong. He was amazing. He was great. The The question is, can he play again that early on Saturday after being out of the team for so long? Obviously, he played a long period in January at the AFCON and then had some time off. And um, Whether he's going to be able to do that quick turnaround or not will be the thing. I think... Arteta was very smart in the Chelsea game with the subs he made. He could have done some like, you know, he could have Pepe or the Congo or something like that. But what he did was he took off Smith Rowe and Ketia and Saka. Um, I know Saka obviously um, it wasn't until right at the end, but he took off the three who were probably pressing most in the game, try and give them as much of a chance to be fresh for United. Martinelli understood starting on the bench because I think the idea was obviously we go in front, not behind, and then you can bring on Martinelli to chase down the game. So for me personally, as frustrating as Cedric was when he came on with some of his choices of passes, because <laughs> we definitely could have scored more, I would, uh, and it's not a, get, a knock against Holding at all. Um, I, I'm not looking at Rob Holding to pass the ball well as a centre-back. I couldn't give a toss. Uh, if he makes a few mistakes, I'm looking at him to put his face in the way and just look at his beautiful new hairline. Um, and that's what he did in the game. But I would put Ben White back into centre-back and then bring in Cedric. Um, if El Nani's fit enough, I'd keep him there. And I would um, probably just swap Smith-Rowe and Martinelli, maybe. Um, again, it depends who's available for United. I think the 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 one thing you do have to consider, though, is if the, you are playing Martinelli, I think Arteta might be tempted to swap the sides that Martinelli and Saka play on just so Tavares gets a little bit more cover, which is why I think um, uh, Smith-Rowe probably started there ahead of him last night, just to help out a little bit defensively. But United play a different system so to Chelsea, so who knows? But like Eddie, Erdegaard, Saka, all, all the guys who were out on the pitch last night all deserve a chance to start, absolutely. But yeah, I think I would swap White and uh, White in for Holding, and then Cedric in at right back. But if he if he went with the same team and they're all fit and available, I'd be just as confident, honestly. I think I would tend to agree with you. I, I, you know, Cedric is not our favourite player, not at all. But I really don't want Ben White playing right back uh, against Man United, just because although Man United are playing really poor. They're playing Arsenal now. Like mm. that, John. You grew up in the same era as me. Like the team you you hate is Tottenham first, and then you hate Man United because those yeah. like, the nineties that I brought up to really hate Man United, and that's he hate. And for some reason, they seem to turn up uh, against us. And w- what you don't want is you want your best players in their best position. Yeah, and yeah. Ben White. He wasn't comfortable yesterday. Let's be very honest, but. Mm. I want him playing in the middle, you know, with his partnership with Gabriel and Cedric. Is, he kind of got to rein him in. So that's Arteta's job. Arteta is the manager, the head coach. So you tell him, look, I know you want to get up there and swing the crosses in and do whatever, but it's not working. You, you've done it for three, four, five games. It's not working. Now, put the ball on the floor. 
because yeah. us, we don't have a tall striker, we don't have a Giroud or anything that's going to score a diving header and like that. Play it to Eddie Nketiah's feet because he's good at his feet. He can get the ball out, you know, get the ball out of his feet and get a shot off. So play towards those sort of strengths. And you're hoping that Arteta will sit him down and do that. So that's the reason why I would want Cedric back in. Yeah, I think the other thing as well is it it does help our build-up play um, from the back. And I think last night was bringing guys in who Arteta trusted that if he needed to change things during a game, like 10 minutes in, 15 minutes in, like he did, he could relay that on a pitch and go, right, you've got to switch now to a five, you've got to switch to a three, you've got to switch to a four. And he trusted that those players on the pitch would do that for him. I don't think we're going to need to be as flexible against Man United. Ben White back at centre-back gives us another option in the build-up. Cedric, as annoying as some of his crosses are, he's not crossing it for Lacazette, who might be a bit deeper than you know than Eddie would be. We're actually going to have a guy in the box. You know, We're going to have someone who's going to be around the centre-backs. Not the biggest guy in the world, but... He's going to cause some problems. Um, you know, you don't always when you put a cross in, like you said, Carl. You don't always have to put it up in the air. You can put it along the floor. So um, yeah, no, I'm 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 confident. I'm sure in some way or another, I'll be made to eat my words. Um, you know, whether it's the United game or <laughs> before the end of the season and another one. But look, the the guys went out and did it. Arteta and his coaching team were brilliant. Um, and just take that belief into United game because the last time we played United, we had that whole. It was like we, the the team they put out wasn't great, and they weren't playing great. But we played against a badge rather than the players on the pitch. Ignore, don't fucking matter. It's Man United. You're better than them. You're playing better than them. You've got more ability than them. You've got more belief. You're going in the right direction. That club is not. That club's in a mess. You know. You can't show your That's what it is, isn't it, John? Yeah, yeah, and it's and and like even like. It's, it's nothing about, like, you can respect the club, Man United, and all their history and tradition and everything. That's fine. There's no, there's no problem with that. Um, but don't go out there fearful of them. And that's what they showed in the Chelsea game. They went out and they were like, no, we're not going to be scared of you. We're going to play our game. We're going to come here. We're going to impose the way we want to play. We're not going to be, oh, yeah, yeah, let's just sit five at the back for 90 minutes and try and nick one on the break. It's like, no, we're going to play. And we're going to try and outplay you on your pitch. So, yeah, just do do that against United as well. And look, as long as they go out and they give as much as they did last night in the United game, whatever the result, I'll be well happy with the team. But obviously, I want to want to win. I mean, yeah, Danny, are, are you going to get up at uh, 12.30 to watch the United <laughs> game? Sadly, yes. It's uh, but I'm, I don't want to get up the too early. So I'm doing the preview show on Friday night with uh, Glenn from New York. And so we'll be doing that 6 p.m. tomorrow for about three quarters of an hour, maybe a little bit more. So uh, I've got the sense to do that because I'm not getting up at 10 a.m. But, yeah, I should be getting up at 12 and getting my fat little ass in here and watching the game. Are you, You're you not at work, are you, Carl? No, I, I, I will be watching the game. Um, Danny, so let's say all things going well and we beat Manchester United. I think that up the road, they've got Brentford uh, away, who who are not really... Brentford are playing well at the moment, so it's not a given that, you know, they're going to to beat Brentford. And let's say the planets align and we spank Man United and Brentford beat um, that lot. Do we start believing again, Danny? Are we back to... I mean, it still is in our hands, isn't it? And I still think, and John will probably agree with me, I hope he does, that the key game 
is us going to their ground. I think that is the absolute key uh, fixture. But, you know, if, if we do get a result against Man United and Brentford beat that lot, did, you know, is the belief back on, Danny? Do we now start saying we're, we're still favourites again for top four? Um, well, if uh, it's in our hands, all we have to do is win the rest of the games for the rest of the season, which is doable. And then we have got fourth place and Champions League football next season and all that lovely, lovely money. Um, Ericsson has, and someone said in the, the live show last night, every time Ericsson has played for Brentford, he hasn't lost. His contract, he's got a one-year extension up to him if he wants, but Spurs are looking at signing him back in the summer. So uh, hopefully he won't have a shit game because he wants to go back to Spurs because he is too good for a Brentford. He, well, he's too good for most of the sides in the, in, in um, the bottom half of the Premier League. But... Uh, it's, I always feel with Arsenal, being an Arsenal fan, it's like you're meeting someone who's got a handful of sweeties in one hand and you go, oh, I'm having a handful of sweeties. And as you go to take the handful of sweeties, they punch you in the balls. And you go, oh, and then they pour the sweeties all over your body as you're writhing on the floor in pain. That is being an Arsenal fan, which is very, very sad. But I'm, I'm a mug, Carl. I'm a mug. I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a believer. And so I'm going to think, you watch my tweets. We go and beat Man United and I'll be going, that's it. It's back on. I always fucking do. And if we lose to Man United, I'll be going, Arteta's got no idea what he's doing, what the fuck's going on. Um, I just hope that he's got the sense to keep the, the most of the players. I agree with you with, with the right back thing because uh, Big Bob was struggling and Ben's his best position is at centre-back with Gabriel. They've got a great partnership there. And just hope he doesn't rush back Tommy Ashu too soon because there's only a handful of games going for the rest of the season and right back is a problem for us. But we, I've seen enough from us in that game that the, the problem with Sky, we've all said, I think we've all known, it's just a matter of time until we start scoring because we've created all those chances game after game. And we can do it against them because Man United are on their arse. They're shit. Um, Ralph is uh, he's on his way out. and He's not going to be the manager next season. They've got... Um, the the IS manager Ten Hag, however you say it, and so Donny Van der Beek is happy. He's going to be getting some games next season. I forgot he club. existed. Yeah. <laughs> He's going to get relegated, Everton. It looks like as Burnley are winning two 0 um, I'm excited, Carl. And uh, if, if you're not worth doing anything, Carl, I haven't got anybody ready for the post game show. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, that's fine. Are we talking about the three-one loss? Sorry, win. Three-one win. Three-one win. I'm, uh, I'm calling it right now. Stick. All right, I'm going to go full optimism. I'm sticking my neck out on the line. We beat Man United. We've got top four. Are you going to come on the show, John? A post-game show and do that? I have. I have no idea what I'm doing on Saturday. <laughs> I know I'm watching the game, but I don't know if I've got any plans after that. Throwing beer around the place and getting Probably, drunk. Probably yeah. <laughs> <laughs> getting drunk, and passing out by about four in the afternoon. Yeah. Um, yeah. I Sorry, think John. if we beat them, yeah, no, I think if we beat them, then we've got top four. Look, we've got the West Ham game afterwards and everyone's saying it's a tough game. I get that. But that is bang in the middle between their two league, two legs in the Europa League. They're going to be... They don't give a fuck. If, they're, they're, really from the, if they're really from the first leg, like they... They ain't going to give a shit. Like they are going to stick out a crap team. You know, we got Leeds. The Spurs game is obviously huge. Newcastle are now safe. The majority of those players, I know they've got some new good players in and Eddie Howe's done a really good job there, but the majority of that squad is still the same squad. They're going to be on the beach. They're safe now. They ain't going to care less. And Everton might be relegated by that point. And don't forget who Tottenham have got to go and play away before us. They've got to go to fucking Anfield before they play us. 
was it four days? Four days before our game. A Liverpool team that are chasing down the title. They've got to go and play that game. The thing is, is whether they've got to play Burnley and also Norwich. Now, if they're still fighting for their lives, mm. they're literally going to be scrapping. So, I mean, yeah, it's, we're, we're clutching at straws as we burn now, and we're, we're hoping for the best. But, you know, you look at it today, Burnley are beating Southampton 2-0, which is another mm. kick in the teeth, isn't it, Mac? But, you know, the fact that Burnley have not given up on trying to stay in this league... Um, Makes you know that they're going to be fighting for absolutely everything. Um, yeah, and me play a manner in a season, mate. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking weird. That's so weird. But yeah, so yeah, it's not over and done with. But even so, John, you and I talk in our group, and we were talking about this squad, like. I think at the beginning of the season, it's the hope that kills you, isn't it? Because at the mm. beginning of the season, everyone was saying, we get top six, we're happy, we're fine. And, we're, and yeah. now, and then you started believing that, you know, we can get top four and then we lost a few games and then, you know, we're now beat Chelsea and it almost seems like the optimism's back. My, I guess, bit of reservation is, is this squad good enough for the Champions League. No doubt we will add to it in the summer if we make Champions League. I have no doubt about that. But, you know, we're not going to make 10 signings, are we? We're going to make probably maximum of, you know, four, maybe five signings. Mm -hmm. And even with four or five signings, and with those four or five signings, you're talking two strikers, you're talking maybe a replacement right back because Bellerin's not really going to come back, is he? So you're looking for Cedric, is he good enough for the squad? Who knows? Um, that you're looking at maybe another midfielder because you are going to need someone to cover one of Xhaka and or Partey and maybe a, a winger. I, I, I don't know. But do you think that this team, even with additions, whoever the additions are, could compete in Champions League? And by compete, I'm, we're not going to win it, John. We know this. Mm. But I mean, make it to, by competing, make it to the quarterfinals. Because that's what you I, kind of want, don't you? We, yeah, I, I, finals, next season, you'd be happy. I, I think, um, like, if we get top four, which is still an if, obviously, um, then I think the the starting 11, um, well, okay, starting 10 plus whoever the new striker is, because I assume at least one's coming in, if not two, um, I think is good enough to get out of the group stages and if you get some luck, depending on obviously it depends who you draw and stuff, then yeah, we could get to the quarterfinals. Like you said, I'm not expecting to like if we get top four and then like challenge for the Champions League, it's fucking ridiculous. It just ain't gonna happen. Um is the squad overall ready for it? No. But that's where you need depth. Um so you know, um if we can bring in the right players at the right level and improve in like it's very specific areas, isn't it? Like I think centre back we're fine. We don't know what's going to happen with Saliba, but if he does come back in, that's a guy who can fit straight in and you can you can trust him to play that level of football. Um, our like, options in the wide areas, we're sorted. We've got two number 10s, basically, if we want to. You know, um, Erdegaard and Smith-Rowe, different players, but they can both lay there. Um, our two starting centre-mids, again, I know people aren't keen on Jacker, and maybe he goes, who knows? 
Um, we don't know what's going to happen with him in the summer. Maybe Roma will come back in for him. I think those who start in are uh, good enough quality to get you to the quarterfinals of the Champions League. Um, the back four, when it's all fit and available, goalkeeper, no problems. The big one is striker. Um, we do need, you know, a consistent striker. I do think we need cover and centre mid. Lekong is going to have a, you know, it's his first year. He's been at the club and everything. He's not played as many minutes, but you get yourself into Europe. You can play those group games. Maybe you've got an easy game after a group game. So you can go, oh, we're going away to Burnley if they stay up or something or whatever. And so, okay, in this game, we can go, right, Granite, you can play. And Partey, you can have this game off and we can put Lekonga in. Give him more minutes, build up, you know, his confidence, that sort of thing. Um, It's adding to that depth. And how much how much we're going to be able to bring in? I, I don't know. I'm more confident with the current setup than I have been for a long time with the transfers at Arsenal, just because of how good the recruitment was last summer. All right, the the players they brought in, and there was a lot of reservations about many of those players coming to the squad. The only one who really hasn't done it, but is still there and is you know played last night, is Tavares. Everyone else has come in and basically been a success, you know? And pretty much all of them have all gone straight into the team as well. It's not like they've come in and and they're all young, young guys. So if the recruitment was that good last summer, getting like five out of six pretty much spot on, that's amazing recruitment. We have not had that arsenal for a long time. So I've got every confidence they can go again in the summer. And if, if we've got Champions League, the level of player we can get, is way better than Europa League. So, yeah, and it's, it's the yeah. money that comes with it as well. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, it's, it's, it's that. And, and I also think it being a World Cup year, you know, if a striker, you know, is on the cusp of a club and you tell him, you know what, we'll play you nearly every game so you can try and get into that World Cup squad because you think there's only, what, four months for them mm. to really get into that World Cup squad which are, are still... Just yeah. with the World Cup being in this November is just absolutely ridiculous. But you know, you tell a striker, you know, we'll play you every game, and I think the Champions League games are really compact as well because it's yeah, like yeah, six yeah. weeks on the bounce, isn't it? So you say, you know what, we'll play you in the Champions League, the biggest stage on the world uh, yeah. apart from the World Cup, you know, club football, yeah. and you will play a club. You know, they're going to think, you know, I want to go to Arsenal because I'm guaranteed to play, and I want to be in that World Cup shop window. So. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things where you get a player who's just on the cusp and they will play well for you. I think with the players that they've got behind, you know, Saka, Smith, Odegaard, uh, Martinelli, you know, if they, if all those people are providing you a book with the ball, we just need someone to put him back in the net. Eddie Nketiah yeah. showed that today. Feed yeah. him with a good striker and we'll, we will get you goals. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there was a stat last night. Sorry, just quickly. Erdegaard has created more chances than any other player in the Premier League this season. So you just just imagine what we would be doing with uh, a 20 to 25 a season striker up top, you know, with that sort of service. That's it, it, It's crying out for that, obviously. And everyone knows it. So, yeah. You, you'd be If you're a striker and you're looking to move clubs, get in a Premier League, which is like the most watched league in the world, and fingers crossed, we get in the Champions League by the end of the season to play Champions League football. Then yeah, you'd want to sign for Arsenal because you've got that all that talent behind you, young team, ambitious, going somewhere. But even if we don't get Champions League, you get into the Europa League. Yeah, it's not as prestigious as the Champions League, but I think being back in Europe 
has got to be the minimum, like the yeah, yeah. absolute minimum. Yeah. I don't think there's any worries about that. I, th- I think we'll get minimum Europa League. It's just, can they do this last push, the last, was it, six games uh, to get the Champions League? Carl, do you think uh, Arteta is going to look like an absolute genius for not wasting money in January if we do get Champions League? He'll just go, see, that's why I didn't buy players in January because I couldn't get Champions League quality players then. I think he's damned if he does and damned if he doesn't. Like, if he, it's a bit like with Main City not buying a striker. You know, if Man City go and win the league uh, without a striker, he will say, look, there's a reason why we didn't spunk that 160 million on Harry Kane because we didn't need him. But then if he doesn't go and win the Premier League or the Champions League, whatever, everyone will turn it around saying, you should have bought, spent that money because he would have got you the goal um, to, to, to take you to the next level. Do I think Arsenal should have bought a striker in January? Yes. Hindsight is a wonderful thing. And I still think yes, because I think we'd be in a total different position now. I mean, not saying they're guaranteed to make a difference, but you know, with the chances we created against Southampton, would a, an absolute with a different proper striker have made a difference? Yes, they would have. Um, same against, maybe against Crystal Palace. I don't know, because like I said, didn't have the best game. Uh, and against Brighton, we just... I don't know what happened against Brian, but um, but I would rather us save our money to buy the right striker in the summer rather than buying uh, a striker that turns out to be a Kim Kalstrom. You know, it doesn't come in and doesn't play. Uh, uh, Suarez, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So it's still no one can tell me why we bought Suarez, but it is what it is. But, you know, I'd rather us take our time and if we miss out, and if we still get Europe, we say, right, we didn't get that person in January and we missed out. Now we're going to get the player that we want and we're going to make an absolute brilliant push for it. Yeah. That's my opinion. What do you think, John? Yeah, I think, you know, the other thing as well is there was obviously all the talk of us pushing for Vlahovic. We don't know exactly how much money Arteta had to spend, how much Kronky was giving him, because, you know, he did give him a lot of money in the summer to spend. I know the wages of the players that they were on and stuff uh, was lower, but he gave him a lot of money to spend in the summer, so maybe we only had a limited offer we could make to Flahovic. I mean, I don't think it would have made any difference in the end. He was always wanted to go to Juventus. Um, and Or maybe the Kroenke said, you know what, we've seen, we know what's going to happen with Aubameyang. Obviously, it wasn't until the last day of the window. That's another player's contract. We're like writing off. We've done it with Ozil, you know, Guendouzi. We're like losing money on technically, I guess, because he's worth more than what Marseille are going to end up paying for him. Um, maybe they said, look, we, we can't give you any more money. Maybe, maybe that's why we, we couldn't get anyone in January. But it's so much more important now that we don't go back to the mistakes of let's get Mustafi because it's a quick fix or let's get this player because it's a quick fix. Because then you end up with players who, if it's not checked properly, they don't fit in the squad, they make little clicks and they unbalance the dressing room and everything else. It seems like a real, real harmony within the squad right now. And Arteta's got them all on board. They're all, you know, they're on the boat or the train or whatever the fuck it was he said the other day. They're on the blimp. They're all getting on the Zeppelin. They're all fine. They're they're all following what he's saying. Um, and they all believe in each other. And you don't want anything to come in and disrupt that. So you've got to do your due diligence properly. So, yeah, I'd, I'd rather take the time. If if it ends up costing us top four this season, it'll, it'll be disappointing. But... I was at the start of the season, I was like, top six is the target. Get yourself back into Europe um, and then rebuild again from there. 
But if we do top four, then Arteta's done an amazing job. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's 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 is it be a miracle? Uh, not even a miracle because it just goes to show hard work will definitely pay off. But it was something that no one expected. I think everyone was happy with top six. And like I said, we, we got towards the season, towards the end of the season, and we started believing because we were playing well, just had a little bit of a blip. And like I said, it, I think it will hurt more losing up to that lot yeah, in top yeah. four. I think yeah. that it, the fact that we lost up to top four, <clears> I think if we lost up to Man United, no one would care. Everyone would be like, well, shit is what it is. But yeah. I think if Spurs getting ahead of us, I think that will hurt more than not getting into the Champions League. Yeah, let's be honest. Start of the season, it was like, okay, City and Liverpool and maybe Chelsea might all be in the title fight. But definitely those two, Chelsea might be in there. We're not really sure. And United will get fourth because everyone saw the spending they've got, the players they brought in, like Varane and Sancho, Ronaldo and everything. And it's like, okay. And then it's like, right, who's getting fifth and sixth? Right, okay. So everyone's going, well, Arsenal hoping to get there. Spurs maybe, not really sure. Obviously, they had to change of manager and everything. Um, and then they spent some money in January and they had that good run of form and then they lost to Brighton. Um, so, look, you, you never know. No one expected it at the start of the season, but, yeah, I don't want to lose it to them. But, look, whatever happens, I think Arteta's done a done a really good job and you can see the improvement in the team and the direction we're going. So, that is, for me, that's like the overall picture. That's the bigger one. Obviously, it would be better to see that, um, you know, if we don't quite make it in the end. Agreed. All right, Daniel, do you want to do some questions now? Certainly do. We've got a few in there. Um, there's a few that we aren't answering because we are an Arsenal podcast, but we're, we'll, we'll, we'll answer the ones that are. Um, our very own Femstar, a question for later. Time to drop Ramsdale for a bit. Save percent has dropped massively, looking more like Chesney when every first shot is a goal. And also, uh, Carl, you answer this one first. Have you noticed um, he hasn't been doing those uh, down-the-field pinpoint accuracy shots or passes like doing the quarterback role? He hasn't been doing that in recent games. I get the feeling there's something not quite right. Maybe he's, he's got an injury because uh, it takes a hell of a hoof to be able to get the ball down there, doesn't it? Or am I imagining it? Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't drop him. Adol Leno came in against, God, who was it? Villa? Villa. Uh, and played brilliantly. I wouldn't drop him. Yes, he's having, let's be honest, uh, Ramsdale, he's having a bit of a dip, 100%. Um, but, you know, the form is temporary, class is permanent, as they say. And maybe he just needs a little bit of form uh, to change. Everyone's noticed that he's not playing uh, as, he, as he did. But, you know, I saw a video of him when we scored, I think, the penalty, I can't remember, one of the goals. And winding up the uh, the Chelsea fans, which is absolutely brilliant. <laughs> I, I love that from him. But for me, uh, I wouldn't drop him. Dropping a goalkeeper is a big, big call. Like, and I don't think you you should do that. I mean, yes, Leno is leaving in the summer, hundred percent. You know, I'll be happy if we get like fifteen to twenty million for him, and it'd be it'd be great. But yeah, I wouldn't drop him. I'd play him. Sometimes you've got to play him into form, which is brilliant. See, that's the video I'm talking about. You know, him just waving to the Chelsea fans. You know, fuck you, Chelsea. Brilliant. <laughs> but yeah, for me, no. He he he's he's our number one goalkeeper, 
and he does start until he absolutely is atrocious, which he's not, um, because he's still making them a, a, a few saves. But yeah, now nah, he starts. John? Uh, no, just like Carl, I wouldn't drop him. Um, I think for uh, his save percentage has gone down, but I would also argue the defence in front of him and midfield has gotten weaker in the last few games, which is probably giving him a bit more nerves and jitters. Maybe he's having like flashbacks to the, some of the clubs he's been at before. <laughs> Yes. Well, I've got you, John. One from uh, formerly Noza. Now Man United have a new manager. Uh, would Man United turn up? Will Man United turn up on Saturday? Um, I don't think the fact Ten Hag is like been officially announced is going to change anything. Everyone knew who was getting the job. Uh, the, if you're a Man United player. Uh, and a professional, the fact you got humped by Liverpool, who you fucking hate the way we do, hate that lot, um, and the fact that you're about to play Arsenal and you can, you know, screw over Arsenal, which will cheer you up, that should be all the man- uh, motivation you need. Um, I don't think the manager announcement will make any difference at all. It's more on the players and whether they actually want to turn up or not. Good, I'm just uh, replying to Sean. She's going to go and have a look at the new Vox Lastras. Have you seen them? Very isn't nice car. She's a bit reckless, isn't she, getting the car? Uh... She's getting, she had the Golf. She's gonna, she had it three and a half years now, getting rid of it. But you can't get a new Golf in this country because they're all scumbags. Mm. Um, yes, Cole, did you want to answer that one? Are Man United going to turn up? Of course they're going to. Now, let's be honest. You didn't say, of course. Have you not seen them play this season? No, this is but this is Arsenal away. Like they want to try and rub it in our faces. Liverpool are a different breed. Like hands down, I think Liverpool are the best team in the world at the moment. They're just, they're, they're phenomenal. They actually I mean, are. Some Man United could have, could have taken Liverpool to the Hague for what they did to them at the weekend. Yeah, the, the goals that Liverpool score are just just phenomenal. They are so good. That like, really are. Um, but you know, sadly, and I hate saying it, this is Arsenal, and the Arsenal that played against Chelsea—that's the Arsenal you want to turn up. You don't want the Arsenal that played against Southampton and Palace and uh, Brighton to turn up. But there has to be that belief in our minds that this is the Man United of old. So we need to—we don't can't play the Man United that played against Liverpool. We need to play the Man United of old and play that just that little bit better. You know, there's going to be shithouse. If if McTominay comes back in, there's shithousery because I flipping hate him. Uh, Bruno Fernandes is exactly the same. It's just what he does. Um, whether Varane comes back or not, I mean, Varane is not the Varane of old, but, you know, he's still Varane, and that's what he does. And especially with Ronaldo as well, with, you know, no one likes um, what he's gone through and, you know, thoughts and prayers go out to him. But, you know, if he comes back with a point to prove, you know, um, Ronaldo can be dangerous on his day. So it just all depends on how who may United bring down to to London. But do you know what? We we have the beating of them. We can beat them, and we should beat them. And come two thirty on on Saturday, I hope that we have, you know, we're winning three 0 and we're 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 calm. I hope you're leaning into your mic going, I told you so, Daniel. I told you so. I told you. <laughs> I'm going to do it. 
<laughs> right, Thunder Road has got a question. John, uh, have Carl and John ever met in person? Uh, we have not. It's a bit like... Um... I can't, I'm trying to think. It's, it's happened in a few films and TV shows, but if, if you meet the same version of yourself from another reality and you have physical <laughs> contact, the, every single multiverse will explode. But basically, although me and Carl aren't the same person, we have so much football knowledge between us that if you put that amount of knowledge in the same space, every woman around will just have an orgasm and it just cause chaos. <laughs> It's just, I mean, just look, at our, just look at our beards. Like, yeah. you know, we're beard brothers. That's all it is. <laughs> yeah, that's but no, we some... haven't, we haven't, have we? I think, no, so we've... I've met, uh... so I've met Chris, yeah, Jace, yeah. Danny, Femi, um, who else have I met? Chimp, uh, Simon, uh, did you meet OG when he came over, or were you working? I can't yes. remember. Yes, no, I didn't meet OG. Met yeah. Dom. Yeah. Um, I have met Andrew. I met Dave. I love Dave. He's such a awkward. When I met him, I was in awe of him, to genuine awe of him. <laughs> um, so yeah, I've met everyone from AW, apart from you, John. Um, I've met. Josh, met Ellis. Fuck Ellis. Yeah, fuck Ellis. <laughs> fuck Ellis. But yeah, so yeah, I kind of met everyone apart from you, John. So yeah. we're going to have to next season coming down for a game, definitely. Yeah, I've just, the last few years I've been so busy like with work, but now I've changed job. I'm like, oh, I might actually be able to start going to games again. And also I'm really lazy because Danny is actually not far up the road from me, so I should go and annoy him at some point. Well, you can drive, John, and I can get a season ticket, and then whoever comes with me gets in for free. So Ooh, I've even met a... um, Jeff. Yeah, there we go. Oh, the mysterious Jeff. Jeff, the man, the man with no face. <laughs> yeah, I've met. Yeah, I've met Jeff. That was funny because we all met in um, Pirate Corner in Kings Cross. Like, there's, there's a whole of ABW which are sitting there, and I walked in after work, and literally. I think that's the first time I ever met. I'm sure it's the first time I ever met Chris as well. And I think Chris stood up. I was like, "Oh fuck me! You already are sure, aren't you?" <laughs> <laughs> God, yeah. But yeah, definitely, we need to do like a, a big meet up. Definitely. Yeah. Well, now COVID's all out of the way. Um, hopefully, restrictions wise. Uh, yeah, I think we can all. Um, I don't know why we haven't got a picture of, of Femi in that one. But there was definitely pictures with Femi. Yeah, me and you took a picture of Femi that we met. Yeah. Yeah, and I was very fucking cold that day, and no one laughed at my scarf. Um, poor old Carl. He's eight foot five, and he didn't know whether to kneel down, stand behind, sit on my lap, or squat. <laughs> <laughs> he needed a hand getting back up after that. Yeah, so, yeah, it's always good when we all, when we all meet, and hopefully we'll be able to do that again soon. Um, right, question of Carl. Have we seen enough about to think about keeping Xhaka? I would keep him anyway. That John listed a load of his attributes, and I think, you know, when we talk about the reason why we keep Lacazette because we wanted him to help the youngsters. Because Lacazette, I think, is brilliant for the youngsters. It's just that his footballing ability is not what we require Arsenal at the moment. Granit Xhaka is a leader. He would still be our captain if he didn't have that meltdown against Crystal Palace when he, um, you know, 
through fuck you to the fans. But for every like reckless challenge you get or stupid pass you get from Granite Xhaka, you get a performance like he did yesterday. And I think I don't know if anyone's seen the interview that he done. Um, I can't remember who it was with, and he kind of just laid it out on the line. You know, all these thoughts and feelings like, well, you know, and every time you see a tackle, and I'm sure even yesterday, John, with Mason Mount, you saw that tackle and in your head, I guarantee you thought, if that was granite, that would be a red card. Oh, yeah. You can't, you can't, you just can't help but think that. And the sad thing is, you know for a fact, if it probably was granite, Xhaka, that would have gone to VAR and the referee would have gone to have a look at it because it was studs up mid like, But because it's Mason Mount, England, Dahlia, I mean, I still remember, sorry, going on topic, I still remember the Harry Kane challenge on uh, Robson at uh, the Tottenham ground. How that wasn't a red card, God only knows. But, you know, it's Harry Kane, it's the Dahlia. And I think that Granite Xhaka brings a lot more to the team than people think. You know, football... You can do the eye test and have a look and think, do you know what? Yeah, um, sometimes it does some shit things. But sometimes football is not only played on the pitch, it's behind the scenes. You know, you don't see what it does on the training ground when he's in the gym with the youngsters, talking to them, saying that. And I think I would keep Granite Xhaka. I mean, what is he, 28, 29? 29 maybe, I think. I think 29 now, yeah. So has he got two more seasons left in him? Do you get someone else in to be his understudy and then, you know, learn from him and then become the new Granite Xhaka? That's what I'd like to see. But I, as much as Granite Xhaka pisses me off sometimes, and this be honest, he does annoy all of us, I wouldn't want to see him leave this season. How? I mean, John? I mean, you already know, because I love Granite. So I, I I keep him forever, but no, um, no, I like all the things Carl said. I, I think he's great. Uh, I get why people don't like him. He is very marmite in that sense. Um, do I think we could get a player who's better than him? Yes, I do think there are midfielders who are better than him. Um, but would I get rid of him? No, because either we're either be in Europa League or Champions League come the end of the season. We need depth and quality. Um, he's always available. He hardly ever picks up injuries. He's had like one, what, one big injury since he's been the whole time at Arsenal. There's a reason every single manager who's been at Arsenal since he's been there has picked him week in, week out. Um, he's consistent. Yes, he makes mistakes and errors. I understand that. Um, but yeah, I, I'd keep him all day long. Can we get a better player? Yeah, absolutely. We can go and get a better player. But that's no reason to get rid of him. The right, the only reason I would sell Xhaka is if Roma came back in uh, for him in the summer, and I would say to Roma and Mourinho, I'd say, "If you want granite, we're taking Tammy Abraham. Otherwise, <laughs> fuck off." That would be that would be it. end of conversation. It's the only way I would let Xhaka go. Yeah, apparently uh, uh, he's coming back one day. Sai says, "Carl, um, are we selling Holding or Saliba?" Either, either, neither, neither, both. I think Rob Holding will go. I think Saliba will come back in, but I do think Rob Holding will go. Although my mind triggered um, today, thinking about the homegrown quota. And with us losing Eddie um, and losing... So Bellerin's going to go. We know that. Eddie's going to go. Uh, if we lose Holding... 
uh, who else? Uh, Reece, I know he's not there at the moment, but Reese Nelson, you know, he's not pulling up trees in Holland, so he probably won't be back. We need to, we really do need to look at the home grow, home quota, um, homegrown quota. We have to look at that. So, you know, I know there's talks about, oh God, um, Dominic Calvert-Lewin coming in. And, you know, would it be a bad shot because of the, obviously the English quota as well, that we need that. But I think that is a thing that we have to look at because at the moment, I think we're doing it now. We don't get it wrong. We have got, you know, Saka, Smith-Rowe, uh, Ramsdale, Ben White. But I think it's, isn't it seven now or eight players you need? I can't remember the actual number, but I'm sure it's seven or eight players. And we just need to make sure that we have enough uh, players to meet that quota. John? Um, I'm guessing we will sell one. Uh, I would, uh, again, nothing personal against the player. I think he's a really good squad player. Holding would be the one I'd rather sell. Saliba's obviously got the higher ceiling and fits our style of play better, but it will most likely depend on how Saliba feels and if he wants guarantees of first-team football. Um, if if he wants that, then he's not going to have it, Arsenal, because you're going to have competition. You've got Gabriel and Ben White ahead of you at the moment. He's obviously had a very good season for Marseille, um, and maybe you can come in and displace them. But if he wants guaranteed starting, like Carl said, World Cup coming up, then maybe Marseille come in with a big bid for him. Um, but yeah, we'll see. But I, I would guess that one of them will go, um, not both. Okay, thank you. A couple more questions. Callum's asked a million questions, most not relevant. So we're going to pick this one. Do you think Unai Emery could win the Champions League, Carl and then John? Uh, sadly, I think Liverpool are too strong for either. But I would love to. I, I'm, I would love to see it. The fact that they dispatched your Bayern Munich uh, so brilliantly, I'm very happy about. And I would love to see Unai Emery lift it. He's not a bad manager. He just wasn't the manager for Arsenal. And I think that's all it was. Um, but sadly, I think Liverpool are far too strong for any team in the uh, Champions League. And I think it's theirs to lose, uh, I, in my opinion. John? Um, I think he can do it. If um, Have they got... Is it Liverpool next round? I can't remember. Yeah, they've got Liverpool. It is, yeah. The the problem is the fact it's over two legs. If they had them in the final, if they've got like if they've got them in the final, then I I would give them more of a chance in a one off game because I feel like Emery's kind of the mm. master of that kind of sort of thing. But hey, look, you never know. They're they're a tough team to break down, and they break on people brilliantly. And the one thing Liverpool do is they leave space at the back. They will leave space at the back, so it's there to be exploited. Uh, I hope he does because, like Carl said. I took the piss out of him when he was at Arsenal and the football was miserable to watch. But he isn't a bad manager. He's a very good manager and Carl put it perfectly. He was just, the you know, he's a good manager, just went to the club at the wrong time. And that's all it is. Um, I think he's won stuff at every club he's been at, apart from Arsenal when that short stint in Russia. Yeah, yeah. So he's a great manager. He's got a great record in Europe. Um, I hope he does. Um, I mean... I mean, basically, any of the teams that are in it, if they win it, I don't care as long as it's not Liverpool. Like, even Man City could win it. I couldn't care less because they're not a real club. Mm. <laughs> well, I mean, not any, they're not the Man City of old. They're not the Man City from the 1960s or whatever. Yeah, Man City, Real Madrid, Villarreal, 
whoever wants to win it, that's fine. Just not Liverpool. Fucking oh, Klopp smiling does my head. Yeah, my mum doesn't like him. She gives him the willies. Final question, Carl, and then uh, John from Chirobi on Twitch says, do we offer Eddie another stint come this summer as in contract? I would have immediately said no before the Chelsea away match. Yeah, so has he shown enough in that Chelsea game, Carl, to warrant another contract? It's been on the table for ages. I was just going to say that the contract's on the table for him to sign. He, Eddie is at the age now he wants to play football. He's, what, 21, 22 something along them lines. He wants to play football, you know. He wants to break into the England squad. You know, Harry Kane is in his late late 20s, early 30s. So he's not going to be around forever. Now, if, you know, he's done it at under 21 level, if he wants to get into the England squad, he has to be playing regularly. He has to. At Arsenal, he's not doing that. He hasn't done it. You know, Arteta's seen something in him. That's the reason why he recalled him back from Leeds and obviously the reason why uh, he stuck around and wants to offer him that contract. But I don't wrong Eddie Nketiah for wanting to leave to play football because ultimately that's his job. He wants he, he just wants to go out there every week and kick a football. He doesn't want to be riding the bench, coming on for 10 minutes here, five minutes here. Like, that's not what he wants to do. So... I I would I keep him as a backup striker. <sighs> the thing is, sentiment is, is a lovely thing, and I think you know I don't want to make decisions of one performance because we've seen Eddie Nketiah play and he's had some shocker performances. Um, but would I keep him around? Like you look at Eddie Nketiah and you think is Badagan better than Eddie Nketiah? You know he's had half a season out on loan. Does Eddie does Badagan go out on loan again? Who knows? People much smarter and high, um, more paid than us will make that decision. But I personally wouldn't keep Eddie Nketiah. I wouldn't. Because if he was going to be our starting striker, he would have been that by now. And for some reason, you know, um, Arteta has played Lacazette over Nketiah. So he can't have been that good. So, yeah, let, let Eddie go. Let him, let him go. Let him flourish somewhere else. John? Uh, it, 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 I would give him a contract on the basis that you can then sell him in a year's time and not lose money. Um, I mean, we'd get whatever the compensation thing fears, um, unless he went abroad, I think it is. So if he went to another English club, we would get the academy compensation fee. Um, the other reason why I would consider keeping him, and these are all like variables, and so it depends on loads of things that happen. If we bring in two strikers, great. But if we don't keep Lacazette, which I don't think we're going to do, um, we bring in two strikers, but Pepe also leaves, which is a possibility. Um, I think Eddie's flexibility and the fact that he can play wide as well is valuable. And... Balogun, for me, needs another loan um, before he can start getting into the Premier League team. Um, so I would consider keeping him. But yeah, it depends. Like if he if he goes and he decides now I want to play regularly and everything, then fair enough. And thank you for the goals you've done and being you know really good at the academy level and fucking scoring two against Chelsea. I will never forget him for that. Yeah, I tend to agree. He's, he's had enough time. He's, 30, he's 23 on the 30th of May. And, and so he's, he's 
he has had it um th- uh, what 300 and so 420 minutes this season which isn't really enough but in previous times he's shown that he's, he can do it against uh, the league cup games and uh, european games so if we're in the europa league next season possibly keep him because yeah. uh, it also depends on if if they do bring in two strikers but it depends on what the type of striker the second one is because mm. I could see us going for like an out-and-out striker and then a guy who can play anywhere across the front three, like can play as a striker or a false nine, but also play as a wide man, that sort of thing. And like Alba, who we letting go for free. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Carl, we're all done. Oh, good. Um, the Pirate didn't turn up, did he? No. He's no, still on that bloody Chris, call. Remember, I, I know. Or he's straightening his hair, one of the two. Like, who knows? You, you know why? You know, I'm going to give him some stick now. He asked to come on a podcast after we lost our third game. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's when he asked to come on. We win last night. He's got a meeting. Not interested. Oh, yeah. Very suspicious. Um, yeah. Very sus. You're very sus. It'll be back if we lose to United. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. He'll be straight on that. <laughs> oh god but no yeah we love Chris Carpenter he's uh, he's absolutely hilarious um, Danny you stepped yep. in because you didn't want to be in but you know this is your podcast and thank you for letting me on and uh, talk all good things Arsenal mm-hmm. John the, ever the optimist like I sometimes I do see stuff and I think no John but then I think fuck me he's chatting sense I held fire last night in our group chat. I was like, I've got an assessment of two players I want to say, but I'm going to wait until the final whistle. So I was like, I'm not not going to jinx it just in case. And then final whistle went, and I was like, Xhaka and Ewanini were amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and Carl, me and Carl were thinking exactly the same thing, but neither of us wanted to say it just in case. No, it's just in case that. Yeah. Sometimes you say Xhaka's brilliant. brilliant. You say Xhaka's yeah. brilliant, and then all of a sudden, 240 challenge. Oh, what the fuck are you yeah. doing? Yeah. Mm. Uh, sometimes I keep it in, but it, it's my own fault. I look on Twitter too much and I see all the negativity and I'm like, just be like, just be positive. Try and just cheer the team on. Just keep it going. And yeah, look, we're in a great position now, all in our hands. So just keep it going, boys. We have to. Three points against Man United will be lovely. And we will be back on tomorrow with a preview show with Danny. And then the after show on Saturday, which I will jump on, Danny, because I don't think about anything planned until the after, until the evening. So, yes, um, this has been a Burkett Wonderland, an Arsenal podcast, talking all good things, Arsenal. Come on, Arsenal. We will beat Man United on Saturday. We will get top four. And Chris Carpenter might make an appearance at some point towards the end of this season. So, everyone, thank you very much. And goodbye. And always remember... Hashtag fuck Alice. As soon as I scored that goal, I was fucking livid. Splendid business. Get down, dog. <laughs>